0: We need to talk. Yes, a very good afternoon and welcome along to this week's episode of We Need to Talk with MJO, the marketing podcast that is to serious debate what Elon Musk is to humility. My name is Michael John Oliver, Director of Marketing at MBK Search, and we've got a smashing show lined up for you over the next half an hour. Karen Mayers, marketing manager at Pager will be joining us shortly to talk about marketing career changes, switching from one industry to the other. Was it all plain sailing, or did he have to relearn everything he knew? We'll find out in just a few moments. And while we're live streaming here on the Spine Friday, this and all other episodes will be available to listen back on demand shortly, whenever you get podcasts. Plenty to get into. Let's do it because my friends, we have issues and we need to talk we need to talk but first before we get into that I I want to climb to the top of the mountain and pay tribute to our LinkedIn influencer friends or should that be our influenza friends because it feels like a virus is sweeping through marketing LinkedIn right now and we all know LinkedIn blows hot and cold, it's it's rough and smooth, it's Islington and Croydon. But the platform announced a tweak to its algorithm in favor of showcasing more valuable professional content. And I for one feel like something is going to get lost in that mix. I speak of course of the LinkedIn selfie. That nondescript random photo of a person standing, holding a phone that somehow reinforces the written content that came before it. You could have written about everything, anything at all, from AI to GDPR to the best advice for sending children down mines, but it would have counted for naught if not for the inclusion of a selfie. And we know that people buy from people, and the best way to get people to know that you're people is to do a people thing and take a photo of yourself proving that you're people. And for a good long while, LinkedIn's algorithm was very down with people. But now, it's down on people. In a bid to lessen the Facebookification of the platform, its algorithmic tweaks, we'll see smart, intelligent commentary rise to the fore. And I've already seen it happen. Marketing LinkedIn has been whip-smart in getting valuable content up front and centre. How has that been done, you ask? Well, by a very clever, very sneaky wee trick. The Twitter or Threads screen grab. You might have seen this. It's Marketing LinkedIn will write a post and then share an image of them on Twitter or Threads or anywhere else saying the exact same theme almost verbatim. Like, behold my piffy commentary and now again the same piffy commentary here in JPEG form. It's so obvious what's being done. It's, it's so obvious what they're trying to do. It's the latest trick plucked from a bottle of snake oil designed to go viral on... on, on, on fucking LinkedIn for God's sakes. The hallmark movie of social media platforms. Now, don't get me wrong, I want LinkedIn to be good. I want it to be a reliable source of smart content, commentary and insight. But if I want a good movie, I'll watch Oppenheimer, not Hallmark. I ask my fellow marketing LinkedIn compadres, please, please, they forced our hand with the selfies and now let's do the selfless thing and let's just cut the screen caps. One bad take is forgivable, but a bad take squared is a public health risk. And that my friends, is the view from the mountaintop we need to talk it is now 25 minutes to one here on we need to talk and from screen grabs to screen dads that was the worst segue of all time we're going to welcome along karen mayers marketing manager at pager good afternoon karen Good
1: afternoon. Thank you for
0: having me on this wonderful show. You wouldn't quite
1: be the, quite the intro.
0: Oh, I I do what I can. You wouldn't be caught dead posting the screen cap of your own post, would you?
1: Nah, I think I've probably been known to do it in the past when it was uh, way, way, way before um, the current trend that's trying to bat back against the push towards more long-form content. Well, you so are... maybe I did it when I was a when I was a tweeter
0: back before. Six,
1: seven... 10 years ago.
0: Well, exactly. Well, this is, this is you are the, the indie artist of the trend. Like, this is when people <laughs> say, I was listening to Karen May- Mayers do the whole tweet screen grab, grab thing before it was cool. So you are, yeah. you're basically, you're like the first three uh, albums of REM, the ones from the early 1980s nobody talks about before. Ah, uh, before. Anyway, my friend, we have issues. We need to talk. We definitely need to talk. And you and I. Believe it or not, sir, have something in common. We've both undergone something of a like a career metamorphosis. I mean, I started as a journalist, then I moved into marketing for a trade association, and then finally marketing to very different but similar recruitment companies. And now you're leading the marketing for Pager B two B SaaS platform. But previously, you wore the recruitment marketing hat. So can you give me a rundown of just how a career like that plays out?
1: Ah, yeah, good good question. I think the way it's played out has been uh, first job out of uni was a recruitment company in the marketing team. There was no plan or design behind that. I needed a job. I wanted to do it in what I studied, and I stuck it out for a long time. I did try and get out of recruitment, Went and worked for a law firm for 10 months, and that was terrible. Went back into recruitment, and I suppose I'd always looked at tech, no matter what the role of a marketer was at the recruitment companies I'd worked for. I'd always been heavily involved in the the tech implementations, what products can do what. So, yeah, becoming more and more familiar with the product like Pager over the last three years. Um, yeah, the transition into tech is somewhat via the stepping stone of the recruitment industry as a whole. whole.
0: And what are some of the big differences you've noticed going from something which is ostensibly professional services through to something very product-led, very product-focused? What are the big differences you've noticed? Even though there are are areas of overlap, but there's got to be something you've gone, that's a bit different.
1: The killer difference is the sales cycle. Um, A recruitment marketer struggles to get that point of revenue tied back to all their efforts, regardless. Like we know multiple touch points of attribution all play their part. No one single source is the source of revenue. We all know all these things, but when you're working for a recruitment company, you also know that if you bring a potential client to the table, there's a hell of a long way to go before any revenue Changes hands, um, so I guess I'm on the more beneficial side of that kind of scenario now, in that deals can be done in literally 24 hours. So we can get a demo booked through the efforts of marketing that the excellent sales team at Pager can turn into revenue, literally in 24 hours, that just would be unheard of in terms of how marketing can generate revenue in the recruitment industry. It's not to say it won't ever happen, but it's not commonplace. Whereas at, at Pager and for SaaS businesses, marketing does have a heavy hand in that happening very frequently. So I count myself very fortunate to be at that side of the the equation these days.
0: That's a massive transition, isn't it? To go from you mentioned in recruitment that the the sales funnel you, you do a lot of touching, a lot of out, sort of outreaches, a lot of romancing different people within a business, everything from talent acquisition through to hiring managers through to the the C suite and everything in between. Whereas in for a SaaS business, that sales funnel could potentially be quite shallow. Like you've just said, twenty four yeah. hours between and sort of an initial outreach to a demo to here's the contract sign on the bottom line. That must be gratifying in a way. It's
1: validating because you prove your hypotheses pretty quickly. We probably have a gut feel about what we should be doing as marketers. We know what the trends are. We know what what other people are telling us is working. And we tend to align our thoughts to that should work for us. Now, you've got to do a lot of convincing and uh, could in to get the relevant budgets to put your hypotheses in place and then in the world of recruitment marketing proving that and actually then having the capability and trust to double down on it that's really tough isn't it it's not i would still profess that's the right way to do things um but yeah you get that feedback loop closed off so quickly where you can go actually that's not working move on or oh, that is working so let's do more of it
0: because that's one of the things that a lot of recruitment marketers talk about that they are there's that, always that I don't I want to say that it's this sense the stereotype is starting to wind its way out of the industry but there is still that sense that marketing more than just being quote unquote coloring in department but is a basically a cost line on a balance sheet that the value they bring is a, is is a necessity more than a necessity in the sense that they need to have some someone babysit their LinkedIn page or do a little bit of you know, sharing for Instagram. Whereas that luxury, quote unquote, can't be afforded at a SaaS company. You need marketing to be not just functioning, but you know, evolving, always on point, always looking for that little bit of difference. Uh, that has got to kind of keep you on your toes as well.
1: Yeah, that's true. There, there, is, a, there is a number on my head so to speak, uh, to put it back into, I guess, more sales and recruitment terminology, in all my years working at recruitment companies, that had never been the case. Marketing, as much as I battled for a budget and uh, to become strategic in how we invest the marketing spend, I don't think it was ever the scenario where I've just lost my screen, I hope you can still hear me. And um, I don't think it was ever the scenario where we were going to get fired by missing targets. And um, I'd like to think I won't get fired by Darren. I think he's listening. Um, but equally there is a number and it has to support what the company is trying to achieve and therefore what sales is trying to achieve. So the feeling I get is marketing is sat with sales, sat alongside sales and customer success. Uh, which is probably a new phrase for, for the recruitment world or or much of the recruitment world. Um, sat alongside that thinking about how we act and grow as a business. Unfortunately, my time in recruitment suggests that, that that's rarely the case where marketing sat at that table as part of the growth of the business. What do we do to grow? What do you think marketing can't say I, I got asked that question often.
0: And everyone knows pager everyone certainly within the recruitment marketing space knows pager but what does the day on the marketing desk look like could you put that into real terms for us so it's
1: right now it's but it's split there's a 50 the 50 split there's half that i've become comfortable with uh, over the last six months or so and the half that i'm starting to find out more and more about is that almost customer success side so in my first six months, it was very much marketing to a familiar audience, uh, bearing in mind I've I've come from a marketing, a recruitment marketing agency before this role. So I was dealing with recruitment business owners, leaders, marketing directors to support their marketing. So my customer ultimately was, uh, remains the same. And I've been marketing pager to that same customer, that same persona. So the shift has been from, pitching agency services or before that pitching recruitment agency service to pitching SaaS. But the new half of the job um, is customers and retention. And again, that's that's all new world to me. So you get someone on boarded as a SaaS customer, even with a great product, um, not every one of our users will be someone who was involved in the buying process. So all of a sudden they are suddenly given this technology and expect to just hit the floor running with it and get some real value out of it. So that side of a marketing role in terms of marketing to that existing customer is pretty new. So that's taken a lot of my time at the minute. Um, Hopefully that answers the question. Did you want more granular detail on what do I actually do all day? Well,
0: it, it's, it does strike me as interesting that you, you say that there's a the aspect of the business, which is, you know, aspect of your job, I should say, that's very familiar, very, very kind of, I don't want to say old hat, but you feel like, ah, this is uh, the land that I'm familiar of. I, I, I understand where things yeah. are. I can get that. But that more people, intense, one-on-one sort of people focus aspect, that's something you don't actually hear a lot of marketers talk about. You hear salespeople talk a lot about providing value and ensuring that you are engaging with your, your clients on a, on a more intimate basis, for want of a better word. But that's something you don't often hear marketing talk about. Is that where that, that overlap between sales and marketing kind of comes to the fore? I'd say what
1: we're doing uh, in a SaaS business, it certainly feels that way. I've tried to, I guess, I wouldn't call it upskill. I've tried to do a lot of reading about the way a SaaS business is um, operated and what the, the, the nuance is. And it is that that customer success, that ongoing we can't. We can't just win a customer. We've we've all said this as marketers over the years. It's cheaper to uh, keep an existing client than win a new one. Uh, it's pretty straightforward. But in SaaS, if you think about the multiplier effect and the long-term value of a customer, the customer lifecycle, it's way more meaningful. Um, if I was to market a recruitment business in the past, that I brought on a client that had three jobs and then three jobs got filled. You know, it sounds pretty basic, some revenue there, some return on investment. As a marketer, I don't think I'd ever think about that client again. I'd, I'd always be defaulting to, right, how do we get more client inquiries through for our sales teams to fulfill? That's got to be different. We, we of course, want to win new business. Um, but the bigger impact over time for a company like Pager is, is re- retention and maintaining um and ultimately upselling at some point
0: absolutely and if you think about the kind of things that you are being measured on you talk a lot about there's a there's a number on your head what 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 are those numbers what are the sort of things that you are being asked to deliver if you can go into that kind of detail
1: yeah i mean the beauty the beauty of that is it's revenue so it's the exact same as what a salesperson and as what the what the business wants ultimately. Um the the KPIs and metrics for a marketer being so closely aligned to revenue, I think just makes it all that more um of a synergy when you sat with your colleagues in management meetings or you you're hearing about what we want to do next, how we want to approach and expand into to new territories. So our ultimate um metric is revenue. And underneath that it will be to the point of how many meaningful conversations are we generating for a sales team to have so yeah we as much as the screenshot of your threads or your screenshot of your your twitter feed is the big thing on on uh, linkedin i think we're we're also seeing quite a lot of mql um let's say punishment anyone who says mqls as a marketer or, or that's one of their objectives seems to be being heavily uh, criticized on LinkedIn at the minute. And I think that's because it's, we're gonna go into some marketing uh, LinkedIn speak now, but I think the the push towards demand generation versus lead generation and the whole debate around MQLs, uh, I found really interesting. And ultimately, if you're just creating lots of conversations for a sales team, it could actually be costing the business money if they're, if they're all crap. So our targets isn't MQLs, it is revenue closely followed by meaningful demos and our sales team provide feedback on whether the demos they are um, conducting and the people they're speaking to who've got that bull on the seat and that phone call in place, if they've come from marketing and they're not very good, we'll hear about it pretty quickly.
0: One of the things a lot of businesses talk about is that split between uh, performance marketing metrics and that long-term brand building. They, they, they often you hear that it's a sixty-four yeah. split. Where do things lie with Pedro? It sounds like performance marketing is very, very much at the top.
1: Um, it, it, yes and no. Um, it is, and specifically short-term because as a new kind of, I suppose, a leader in marketing, joining a business, my strategy was to prove quick wins and revenue. So performance marketing had to be an early kind of mechanism for me to implement something. I had a good gut feel would yield revenue um, put that in place to get that trust and buy-in, not just from uh, the sales team, but from CEO, CFO, um, you want to show them that you're not just a uh, colouring in person. You can actually speak in revenue terms and ensure that marketing can quickly bolster existing revenue streams. Underneath that, you've touched on it already. Pager, you know, has got an established brand within this industry, so a lot of the the long term stuff. It's not that it's not been a focus, it just already existed. So I think I've been very fortunate to come into a business where the foundations, as I always describe, brand awareness and you know the, the longer term aspects of that typical graph where you've got one, you'll know the name of it, but I can never remember. You've got one long-term graph going upwards and then you've got the zigzag graph going up on top of it. So mm-hmm. your sales activation versus your brand building. Pedro had established loads of the brand building stuff and dipped the toe in the water with the um, performance stuff. My job was made easier by coming in and optimizing the performance stuff while we continued to add little bits here and there with with kind of what we do with TLM, what we do with some of our other networking events. So it's it's certainly not that we're ultra-focused on performance marketing. Both sides of the coin are very much on the table day in, day out. I'm firmly within the plans. There's no way we could activate as many sales if we weren't chipping away at that long-term stuff underneath.
0: Mm. Just to pivot slightly, because you you have you've mentioned you you were uh, in recruitment marketing then with an agency that worked within within recruitment marketing to now being with a, a SaaS platform which has predominantly a, a large recruitment. A customer base and many marketers would love to switch from one industry to the other but oftentimes feel their experience or their skill set just won't translate what advice yeah. would you give to someone who is looking to make that switch and is perhaps a, a little bit nervous about how they're going to be perceived is there a way to make what they've done in previous roles and certainly in previous industries a little bit more universal
1: yeah it's it is a tough one just on the basis that i consider myself very fortunate that my transition i wouldn't say sideways it's clearly a different industry but the, the industry we serve is similar so i've been able to get away with my experience in the sector like recruitment if you've not been in recruitment has got a lot of terminology and funny things that if you suddenly got put into a recruitment agency as a head of marketing with no recruitment background I feel that like the learning curve would be huge. Mm. And I liken that to perhaps being, uh, let's say, a head of marketing at uh, a, an FMCG business and you're selling drinks mm. and then all of a sudden you go into SaaS, what's the transit? Unless the SaaS business supports an FMCG client base that transition is going to be incredibly tough. So I, th- I describe it as that stepping stone or the constant in it is the recruitment sector. So to advise people what can transfer, um, it is a t- it's a tough quen- question to answer. I just feel like my knowledge, I got lucky in many respects with how I could make that transition.
0: Though one of the things that does sort of strike me about anyone in any kind of marketing role, certainly the more senior you get is that the importance of revenue and the importance of the commercial side becomes laser-focused the higher up you get. So it is the ability to be able to translate, well, I generated revenue for this business in this industry by doing this, broadly speaking yep. assigning the same sort of thinking but perhaps with different examples and different strategies this is how i would generate the revenue this way that's a lot easier for those of us who are more senior but there is always that kind of question about what about that awkward middle ground where you're not quite a junior fresh off the boat and you are you're learning the you're learning the ropes you kind of you've done a little bit of marketing here but you kind of want to pivot into another industry without getting mm. sort of shoehorned into that uh, into that uh, into what you're doing currently that's one of the trick like you've just said it's incredibly difficult to do and and I think it's a lot of people don't realize just how much stake people look for in, in previous experience it makes that as a hiring manager it would make your job a hell of a lot easier to say oh they've done this this and this that relates yeah. to what we're doing I think marketers perhaps need to get a little bit better at being able to not just market themselves, but translate what they do.
1: Yeah, I mean, it, it sounds very much like advocating recruitment marketers heading out of this sector. We don't want that, surely. <laughs> <laughs> I, tra- I tried it once, and the biggest barrier for me was the transition of pace. Mm. Um, if you've only ever experienced recruitment as a marketer, it is fast-paced. I'd say the only thing that's more fast-paced is tech or SaaS. Mm. When I made that move into a legal firm, a law firm for a while, the pace was so slow that I struggled. I just found it just incredibly difficult to get anything done. So anyone who's had experience at that mid-level, uh, has, as you described it, you're not quite getting into those conversations or getting the password to the spreadsheet that shows the true financial status of the business, I think the thing you are privileged to have is the experience of operating in what is an incredibly, everyone's bloody job, I'd say it, but it's a fast-paced environment. Decisions get made quickly. You could be opening an office in a new country next Monday. Mm. That is not something that other industries would allow you the experience of. So I'd always say it's um, arguably marketers looking to hire, if they're from other sectors, they should be targeting people with a recruitment marketing background because of that, because of how hardened you become to, to the change and the constant battle between different um, high profile voices within, within the business, uh, majority of which are from a sales background and tend to be the more, um, it's a sweeping statement, but they tend to be more extroverted so if if you've lived that experience, you'd be pleasantly surprised if you went to a different industry, just how much you are uh, capable of, of dealing with. Um, but yeah, I would implore anyone who's at that mid-level to work with their senior marketing or operations person to get as much visibility as possible with anything relating to the finance and revenue of a business. appreciate a lot of people are guarded about that stuff, but It's my belief as a marketer, you can't really operate at the top level if you're not getting uh, your eyeballs on that information.
0: Absolutely. I completely, completely agree. Just pivoting again back to Pager. Pager made a a massive play just a a few weeks ago to, to capture the attention of the recruitment marketing Marketing market. I wrote marketing market. Yeah. And I thought I got that wrong. You, you've recently taken the reins of the Lonely Marketers Group, which is now, as of today, three hundred recruitment marketers on board. What is the the big vision for for that? Why why that group? It seems obvious, but what is the broad vision for that going forward?
1: Yeah, it was. Um, there is a vision. The vision from from myself is the best form of marketing would be to build a community. But there's a community that already existed and we were part of, myself as a marketer, the others in the pager marketing team, Darren through his constant advocacy and promotion and sponsorship of the the community in the past. um, And ultimately, I think we all didn't want to see Glenn's hard work fall by the wayside I think the whatsapp group was very much self-fulfilling and everyone contributes really well however the kind of what's the the description not the the kind of let's forget the name of this because it's not one I used but the wheel sort of analogy rather than a funnel analogy the mm. things that keeps it moving long term would be things like the podcast episodes the newsletters the events I think the whatsapp group, fuels itself but would it continue to do that forever um i was a passionate kind of contributor to that group for a lot of years in in different different roles um but the value i've taken from it it was just you know we're not prepared to see this fall by the wayside so the vision for it was pager can get some real value from the contributions of people within that group But we're not coming in to buy it as such. We're coming in to protect it. Sounds very noble, doesn't it? Um, And ultimately, what we want to do is give back more to the participants by way of shaping events, maybe more educational events and um, get-togethers where it's not just about meeting up for a few drinks. That will still be a key fixture of it because everyone has a great time um, and there seems to be an appetite for that. So yeah, the the vision ultimately is why would we start from scratch and build a community when an existing one that we're already part of um, needs the support. So there's no ulterior motive as such, it just felt like a good um, marketing decision ultimately.
0: I think there is there's something to be said, isn't there, about a lot of businesses and a lot of marketers talk about how community is the future. We need to build a community. We need yeah, to do this exactly. That. Yeah. But there's there's one ready-made which, for yes. all intents and purposes, believes in the product you have. You're not swooping in volcanic style, and we can we can slander them on this show. You, this is this is the privilege <laughs> I have. It's not like we you've been acquired by some. Multinational corporation, which is just going to use the group as a, a glorified leads generation tool, it is like you said about protecting it, but at the same time, there's a lot of good brand association work alongside it, too. Because I i will go on, on a limb and say, I had not heard of Pager until the Lonely Marketers, and it was through seeing Darren, seeing the way he inter, uh, interacts with people, that the fact that he was doing recruitment marketing or doing recruitment SaaS marketing, I suppose, from the right perspective that ingratiated him and Pager to me. And I say this as a a proud Pager customer, it was one of the earliest and best decisions that we at MBK made. Like this, this piece of tech is essential for what we plan to do and certainly for how we see ourselves moving forward. But that would not have been possible if not not having that kind of nice brand building, for want of a better term, there yep. right in front of me. So there's something to be said for that as well, isn't there? Wink, wink, nudge, nudge. Yeah, yeah. I
1: mean, appreciate everything you've said because it's so validating to hear it. Because obviously, we it wasn't it wasn't a decision made overnight. There was plenty of conversations had about how well this decision would be received. So it was, it was carefully thought through to avoid any um, we didn't want negative connotations about us as a brand, but also we didn't want people to suddenly feel it was uh, a commercial sales arm where we would just burn through the people in that group and suddenly um, let, let the community aspect fall by the wayside. I think the sentiment we were already getting from the group, suggested it was the right move. It certainly feels like that after everyone's found out and and what we've seen so far. So yeah, we, we don't plan to change that. And we, um, yeah, we hope more people in that group build an affinity with the Pager brand, but the TLM group and community for me is a brand in its own right. And um, I think if people were disgruntled with Pager as a supplier, we wouldn't shy away from them coming forward to us outside of the group or talking about us within the group because we've always seen it as a key, uh, I say this phrase a lot, but feedback loop from actual customers, people with arguably the the greater ideas than us because you're literally on the, the page of tools day in, day out.
0: Absolutely. And just finally, before we, we wrap up, Broadly speaking, thinking about how your career is going to play out, I know it's it's a the the tackiest and most uh, you know obvious job interview question of all. But how do you see your career playing out? What do you imagine that looking like?
1: Jeez, oh, I never think further than the, the next week or two. Um, uh, my career, you know what? I am extremely satisfied where where I am learning about. The way this intersection of three different things—so marketing, SaaS, and tech—which I've already always been in, interested in—and and the recruitment sector—it's cheesy as anything, but I can't imagine not working in this sector. Even though I tried to get out once, just the you know the the people from everyone from the supportive characters amongst the marketing community to the absolute mavericks that set up and run these types of organizations—I doubt I'd ever leave the sector um and i would say it will be based around let's see the growth of pager over the next three to five years ultimately i can't see me moving anywhere to do anything different until that point i have to say that darren's listening
0: <laughs> yes yes he is and darren he, he was he was on brand the whole time 35 minutes of non-stop brand goodness he <laughs> did you proud <laughs> Well, Karen, that is absolutely all the time we have. Thank you very much for joining me here on We Need to Talk. And, ladies and gentlemen, if you want to listen back on demand, this podcast will be available wherever you get podcasts. It will be posted on the event link shortly. And guess what, dreamers? Speaking of newsletters, there is a new marketing newsletter out there, written by yours truly, called reliable sources. It is a a marketing newsletter but without all the, you know, the quote-unquote marketing. So every issue will have a broad theme and I will be sharing uh, things to read, things to watch, things to listen to, things to attend that will help you be a better marketer just without or the marketing stuff added to it. Follow it on LinkedIn, or you can send me a DM, and I will send you to the Substack link. But from myself and Karen Mayers, ladies and gentlemen, we had issues, and we needed to talk. We need to talk. And we have talked. We'll see you again next time.